Welcome, Happy New Year uh, to everybody, and just so happy that we're all uh, in the right place at the right time. And uh, if you are a guest with us for the very first time, we are so honored that you're here. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Yeah, and the reason we do that is because we know uh, to get the full experience here at Rise, we, you've got to come back more than once and, uh, and uh, experience what it's like to hopefully find some spiritual family. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors are so glad that you're with us. If you're watching online, hey, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review, put a little emoji in there just that best represents you today, and, uh, and uh, we're going to have a good time just talking about a new, a new year and uh, we're starting a brand new series today called um, How To, How To. Uh, and the genesis of that uh, idea came from, you know, everybody right now is kind of looking at the new year. You know, new years have a way of making us think about new possibilities and new ways of doing things, new ideas, obviously resolutions and goals. And, and I thought I'd look at um, with you a passage of scripture that could hopefully help us um, look at the goals that maybe you have placed. How many of y'all have already, um, since the beginning of the year, uh, made a New Year's resolution or goal? Raise your hand if you have something in mind. Come on. If you, Okay, good, good, good. Most of us have. Um, my, my, uh, I'm just going to tell you what my goal is, my thesis today. I want you to reevaluate those goals that you made. I'm going to make you think about what goals you have for the year and my goal would be is that they would, um, they would closely align your walk with Jesus. Closely align your walk with Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. Maybe one of the most famous, um, I would say, parables or stories that Jesus ever told while he was on this earth. If you're new to Christianity or the Bible, um, it's a unique set of books. Um, I always tell people, you know, some people are... Christian people are funny. They'll say, just read the Bible. It'll make your life better. I'm like, yes, but you got to read it the right way and uh, read it in a way that's going to matter to you. And it's a complicated book. And so the, if you're new to it, um, the, the Bible's broken up into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's kind of the first part, second part. And then the second part, um, the New Testament starts off with what they call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're the lives of Jesus. It's really cool. They tell the wonderful life of Jesus on this earth. And Matthew chapter 25, he's kind of right in the middle of his ministry. He is, I mean, he's doing everything. He's changing the world. He is the Jesus that we know at the time. And um, he is with his followers and he tells a story. Um, it's called the parable or the story of the talents, the parable of the talents. And we're going to read about that today. And uh, I'm going to give you just some, some context to it. It's found in um, two gospels, actually. It's found in Matthew and found in Luke. And we're going to read Luke's, uh, Matthew's account today in Matthew chapter 25. So if you don't have your Bibles, we're going to put up on the screens. I highly encourage you. Hey, you know, here's a good goal. Bring your Bible to church. Because I could be reading something that's not from the Bible. I, you never know. So you probably want to check me, make sure that I'm actually reading from the Scriptures. Um, but bring your Bible to church. You can't write in your Bible. I highlight in my Bible and I write in my Bible and I scribble in my Bible because I want to, I want the Bible to mean something and to, to kind of, it's kind of a cool thing. Cool, cool idea. Maybe bring your Bible to church. If you don't have a Bible, talk to our information center and I will give you a Bible. How about that? And make sure you have one to read. Matthew chapter 25, it says this again. It's funny how Jesus starts off with again. The reason he's saying again is because he's talking about this kingdom concept, this idea of the kingdom concept 
of heaven, this kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of heaven is like, and can be illustrated by, the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to no one and two bags of silver to the other and one bag of silver to the last. So we have five bags to one person, two to another, one to the last one, dividing in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. By the way, side note, not everybody is created equal. Now, now I, I know that's like, I'm American. I love the U.S. of A. Okay? And I know that's what we're all made. We're not. Not in the kingdom. We're all loved equally. We all have equal value. We're all, there's no, you know, super fast line into heaven because you're more talented. But in the kingdom, it's like an army. There are generals. There are captains. Come on, there are, there are people. There are levels of talented people. Because sometimes you get frustrated and you'd be like, man, I wish I was the five-talent person. I'm only the two-talent person. No, no. God created you that way. There's a vision. There's a plan. Don't whine about what you got. God's got a vision for your life. And so God created, handed off different things. Verse 16, he says, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. We're going to come back to that portion of scripture. And then the servant with the two bags of silver went and worked and earned two more. But the servant who had one bag of silver, this is important. This is why we're talking about this today. He dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them, give them account and how they entrusted, used his money. The servant who he had trusted with the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, master, I've given you, you gave me five bags. I invested, I earned five more. The master was full of praise, said, you are the bomb.com. It's amazing. Thank you for listening, for doing something. Now we gonna party. That's literally what he said. Then the guy with the two bags of silver, I'm paraphrasing, he said, and did the same thing because he earned two more, came back. Now, now we get into the, the drama. Here's the drama. Verse 24 says, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, look, I know that you're a really tough dude. Like you're really harsh. And sometimes you do things that are just not cool. And so I'm scared. He said, I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. So here's it back. I didn't lose it. Here you go. And the master said, you wicked and lazy servant, which in all, by all accounts, that's not a good thing. If I knew you, if you knew, if you knew I was so bad, then you should at least put it with the bank, get some interest on that thing. And then he ordered and take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Now that messes some people up. Because you would think, man, he didn't do right. Let's hug him. No, you lose what you got because you didn't do well with what you got. Not only that, it's given to those who actually do well with what they got. So they'll be given and they will be having abundance. But those who do nothing, even what they have, little will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where they're weeping and gnashing of teeth. Most people think that's hell. That's not hell. That's actually an outer part of the city where there was actually weeping and gnashing of teeth. That was actually where people would cry. There was a trash heap. I could get into it. I can go really deep, make it really complicated, but you'd be put in a bad place. So today we're going to learn about how to 
Start off the year right. That's the name of my message. Be right in your, you should write notes. Even if you just throw them away as you walk out of here, you'll, you'll retain them better. How to start off your year right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. Today you have a word for us. There's something about the word of God. There's something about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just, I'm dependent on you today, God, to communicate this message. I'm dependent on you for the breath in my lungs. We're dependent on you for the move of the Holy Spirit in this place, God. Help this year be different. Help us be different so that this year can be different by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. I was, um, New Year's are funny for me. I'm a little rebellious by nature, if I'm honest. As a, I know it's like your pastor. It's like, whoa, you know, like you don't have to say stuff like that. It kind of freaks me out, but I am. Um, I, I don't tend to go, I, I'm, I'm a little like, um, like a salmon. Like I, can I say like I'm like a salmon? I like to go upstream, you know, I don't like to go with the flow. I like to find different things. So anytime New Year's comes around, I don't, I don't tend to make resolutions or goals. I'm a little weird like that. I'm a little weird with goals, to be quite honest with you, because I always think, okay, I'm going to make a goal, but then what, what if God comes in and changes it? I don't know about you, but a lot of the goals that I made, God came in and changed a lot of what that goal was. And so I'm, 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 I'm a little, I have tension there, right? It's like, I know goals are good and I know resolutions could be helpful, and, and, um, and I was watching this last year at New Year's Eve. I had a, um, we had a gathering at our house, and all the people came over, and we did the, you know, the celebration at the end of the night. And when they all went home, I went back and re-watched Dick Clark's um, Rockin' Eve. Did anybody watch Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve or any of the TV thing like that? Like, okay, we got two people. That's amazing. I'm so glad I'm relevant. And so... Um, <laughs> I, I, I was watching Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve, and I don't know if y'all know what it's like now, but it's pretty odd. It's, you know, Ryan Seacrest walking around doing crazy thing. You know, they're hosting everybody. So they had these hosts who would go around and interview the crowd, you know. So I'm flipping through uh, all of them, Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve, and then there's, the, uh, you know, there's another one. It's all the same. They're, they're all partying. There's a million people in the middle of Times Square. It's crazy. It's a million people. I'm like, this is amazing. And so they started asking these questions, and it was pretty funny because when you get a million people in a really crammed up area with a lot of alcohol, like everything is amazing to them, right? Until they wake up in the morning. But everything at that point is amazing. And um, so they would walk up and the number one question, you guessed it, was, you know, what is your New Year's resolution for the year? What do you want to do? And so it didn't matter. It was funny. It was the woohoo crowd was in full effect. And I'm going to give you an example. So we're going to have a little interactive moment because I want to give you an idea of what it was like watching this thing. Because when they were there, this is how it was. So I'm going to say something. I'm going to say a resolution. And then when I'm done saying the resolution, all of you guys are going to say, Woohoo, all right? On the calendar, let's practice to see what it sounds like. One, two, three. That's how it was. So he was like, man, dude, what are you going to do for New Year's Eve? And he was like, man, what, what's your New Year's resolution? He goes, dude, check it out. I'm going to make more money. Yeah, everybody behind him like, woo! I was like, okay. See, then there goes this, this girl, this lady, she was there. She was like, you know, she was partying. She had the glasses on and the hat. And he's like, what are you going to, what's your New Year's resolution? And she's like, I'm going to get that rocking body. Yeah, everybody's just screaming, woo! And it's like, okay. And then this other guy comes in and he, he jumps in. He kind of like bumps the girl. You know what I'm saying? Because again, there's a million people here, you know, and uh, they, they were like, you know, I'm going to, and, and this guy literally bumps this lady over and he goes, oh, what's your new year's resolution? And he goes, you know, I'm going to find the love of my life. And he looks at the girl and he goes like that. And everybody behind him is like, woohoo. And I was, and then the lady like just walks away. And so, <laughs> but that was funny 
because all of them had something in their minds of like, what are we going to do this New Year's? We're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. But if you would have a follow-up question, like, how are you going to do that? They'd be like, woohoo! You know, <laughs> you don't know what to say. Because that's most people. Most of y'all and most of us have had some like, because even if you didn't make a resolution in your mind secretly and quietly, you kind of did. You're like, you know, I think I'm going to try to lose some weight this year. And then what you try to do is see if it happens. And then you're like, I had a New Year's resolution. You don't know what I'm talking about? You make it after you did it. It's like, that's cheating. But most people don't know how to actually accomplish the goals that are in your life. And I was thinking about this from the biblical standpoint. It's like, what's, like what's, what is a goal biblically? And like, what does the Bible have to say about goals? Like, is it biblical to have goals? I mean, like, what would the Bible say about goals nowadays if you were to read Scripture? Should you have a goal? Should you not have a goal? Like, there's some tension inside of that. And I, I was reading the Bible, and I, and I was thinking, I'm like, man, the Bible can be confusing because it speaks to both sides. I'll give you an example. Um, in Luke chapter 12 or 14, Jesus was having a conversation about um, just, like, how you live life with his disciples. And he even brings up this parable. He goes, why, in what way, why would, it, um, why would any wise person, wise man, build a wall without first he uses word counting the cost or planning it out or deciding in his heart if it's worth it or a king going to war without counting the cost, without planning it and going through it. In fact, Proverbs even speaks to it, says the plans, ever say plans, like the plans and the goals and the resolutions of the diligent lead to profit. So like on one side of the coin, you're like the Bible has a lot to say. You should totally be planning. So for all you type A personalities, all you high C personalities, you're like, oh yeah, you're the spreadsheet people and you like to check off the boxes, all you checklist people, y'all, anybody checklist people out there? You're like, that speaks to me. I'm biblical. I'm Christian. And those who don't aren't okay. <laughs> but then James says this crazy scripture in verse chapter four, verse 13. He says, now listen, you who say, you type C personalities, you, you, you like checklist people today or tomorrow. We will go to this city or that city and spend a year there. And then we're going to carry on business and we're going to make plans and we're going to make money and we're going to do all these cool things. And he says, why do you do that? Because you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And then James doubles down. He goes, what is life? Anybody ever do that? <laughs> After your plans didn't make what you thought they were going to do, you go, what is life? What is all this for? He said, what is life? You're a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. And you're like, okay, God, I'm supposed to have a goal, but then I'm not supposed to have a goal. Like, the Bible seems to take a really balanced approach. Here's how I describe it. The Bible's really clear. I think when it says, um, I think it says, well, both says never set goals, but then it, it speaks to the extremes of people who never set goals and the people who always set goals without God. And so I think the question to answer would, I mean, the answer to the question to, for me would probably be flexible with long-term goals and be disciplined with short-term goals. So I think there is a flexibility in the long-term goals because God has to have the room to come in and change it. Because if you follow him, he has ultimate authority in your life. But if you have a short-term goal, it's really good to probably be good with a short-term goal and actually be pretty diligent and pretty disciplined. Like, hey, if you want to do this, learn how to do this. Short-term goal could be like, hey, I want to stop spending money at Starbucks every day. Just start with tomorrow. That's a pretty good short-term goal that you can probably focus on. God probably would honor that. 
And so if that's the truth, and, and the Bible seems to be pretty balanced with it, then I want to, before, as you set out to make goals, and if you haven't made them yet, this is a good sermon to start with. If you've already had them and set them out, I, w- I want you to use these as a backdrop, some three things to look at this year, to look for this year when it comes to your goals. Maybe you would reevaluate um, and just make sure, I think it's a good biblical check to whatever you're trying to accomplish this year. Three things, three steps to look for this year when it comes to your goals. Number one, number one, it says, um, look for the, the divine purpose in the goal. Look for, look for the divine purpose in the goal. I noticed inside the, um, the parable that the wicked and lazy servant missed the whole point. They missed the whole point of getting the talent. They missed it. They, 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 they thought that they were just given money to hold on to and squeeze and hide, but that's not why they were given money. That's not why they were given. They, he, he missed the purpose, the divine purpose inside of it. You can look at it. It said, but the servant who received one bag of silver, he dug a hole instead of doing something with it in the ground and hid the master's money. He missed the point because he missed the purpose. And if you and I aren't careful this year with your goals, with your resolutions, with your plans of your life that you have, if you don't know the purpose, you'll miss the point. And oftentimes the goals that we set aren't based on divine purposes. They're based on selfish ambition. They're based on wounds that we've had. Some of our goals, some of our resolutions are based on just to prove someone wrong. And if it doesn't have a divine purpose, you're going to miss the divine point. Um, Dr. Miles Monroe said it like this. He said, when we don't understand the purpose of a thing, we will tend to abuse that thing. And so for us this year, it could be just recognizing what is the purpose of the thing that I actually am setting out and making a goal for. Before you make a goal, make sure you know the purpose, you know that your purpose is based on a godly principle or wisdom. Like you got to, before you start, before, I'm not even talking about goals yet, like what kind of goal. I'm just saying how to to, to establish a goal. And maybe you're in here and you're like, I've never done this in my entire life. This is so good for you because you can now go down and actually look at the thing that you want to work on so that you can actually get to what God wants for you in your life. I like what Ephesians chapter two says, for we are God's master peace, which by the way, you are not your own. Like God paid a high price for you. He, he wants you to do the things in his plans and in his will. And honestly, a lot of times we plan and make goals that have nothing to do with God's will for our life. And I'm a pastor. So like, I'm concerned with that. Like I'm less concerned with you accomplishing your goals and how you came about making them. Like I want to make sure you made them with a actual divine purpose in mind. He says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us a long time ago. God has plans for your life. So our job is to walk in the plans that God has for us in each category of our life. So let's just go through some categories, shall we? Let's get real practical. Parents, if you're a parent in here and you have the wonderful blessing of having a young mini you in your life, raise your hand. If you are a part of the crazy fraternity, sorority, the, the crazy club that we call parenting. You know what's interesting about being a parent? The interesting thing about being a parent is that it's like one of the only times you can look in your life and see if you're doing okay. You know what I'm saying? Like there's such a good reflection on who you are. Like I was, can I be honest? 
I'll tell you a funny story. Driving to church today. I'm driving to church, y'all. Got my kids in the car. I like to bring my children to church. Um, I don't like bringing all of them because there's a million of them. So I pick a couple I like the most. <laughs> bringing them to church. So driving to church. I'm driving with my son, just turned 12 years old. God, I love this kid. Looks just like my wife. Mouthy is all get out. <laughs> driving to church. And the light turns yellow as I'm getting closer to it. At this point, you guys have had this all, I'm sure. You have a decision to make in your life, right? There's a decision to make. Here's the decision. Do I want to follow the rules or, and be held down by the man and the system that's trying to destroy me from the inside out? Or do I want to live free as an American citizen under God and drive through the yellow light? If you're anything like me, I like to follow rules. But at this point, I didn't, and I drove through the yellow light. As I was driving through the yellow light, it's a technicality, so you'd be like, I'm going to turn you in. No, not really, because I didn't break the law. It's yellow. I drove through. The yellow turned red as I was driving through it, right? My son looks up and goes, red. The moment I drove through it, he said, Dad, you ran a red light. And I said, son, I didn't run no red light. It was yellow as I was driving through it. It happened to turn red. He goes, well, you should have showed that. We literally were having an argument on the way to church. I was like, I'm about to preach about you. You better watch your mouth, you know. But being a parent, man, if you don't understand the purpose of being a parent, you're going to ruin and hurt, and damage, and abuse your parental authority, your child's life. Because if you think being a parent is just loving them, and feeding them, and making sure they're your best friend, because that's what you heard on Oprah, Y'all hear what I'm saying? Like, parenting wasn't Oprah or Dr. Phil's idea. You know what parent, you know who invented parenting? God. So the dude that invented things, I think they get say in how you should do it. Because they created it and curated it and they made it and they designed it. And so there's a design in play here. And if you're a parent, you have a purpose under God. So you should have a parenting goal this year. You should. But it shouldn't be to get your kids to like you. The Bible teaches us as a parent. Here's your parent. Here, here it is. I, I kind of have a summary that I use to help guide my parenting. Here's my summary. I want to train my children to leave the house with the fear of the Lord. You should write that. If you're a parent in here, I didn't even create that. I stole that from somebody way smarter than me who I looked at their life and said, they are great kids. They, they're not perfect kids. They made a lot of mistakes, but man, they set them up really, really well. So like I, I looked and I watched and I, I, I surveyed and I created this, curated this idea under God through the Bible, training your kid, training your kid, training your kid. Training is biblical, to leave the house 
Come on, parents, that's an amen moment. Bless God. Say it again, pastor, with your chest. Like, we should train them. It's a shame. I'm embarrassed. Because I was a youth pastor, and I was a college and career pastor for a long time. College kids come out not knowing how to do their laundry. Or make a meal. Or do a chore. You're not helping your kid by worshiping your kid. You're, you're hindering them. You're, you're handicapping them. You're limiting them. Because then they're going to have to go figure it out and learn how to do it in probably the wrong way. I, just, I was listening. I don't know if you all do this sometimes, but I ear hustle. So I got to listen. I eavesdrop on people sometimes. I can't help it. I'm very curious by nature. So if you're around me, I'm probably listening. Anybody else like me, just raise your hand just so I'm not ashamed. Okay, good. I got four or five. Y'all are lying. You know you do. <clears throat> I was listening to this, this, these ladies that were talking, these moms. And this lady goes, do you bring your kid to church? Because she was having some problems. And the lady goes, oh, no, I just, um, I don't want to force that. I want them to figure it out on their own. I know that sounds really cool to y'all. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, let them figure, yeah. I mean, that way you don't force it. That way they don't feel indoctrinated. Just so you're aware, every company in the world spends billions with a B to, for the right to keep your kids from just figuring it out. They, they are trying to train your child. Do not opt out of training your child so that Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Nike and the NFL and the NBA and Disney because they're all trying to train your child. Make no mistake. So don't opt out of it. Don't think that's a genuine thing under God. No, that's the dumbest thing under God. Because for my kids, they're going to have to compete. All those companies, they're going to have to compete with me. They're going to have to compete with this. They're, they're going to have to compete. You better come correct. You better bring something bigger than Jesus came to give me life and life to the fullest. You better come correct with my kids. Why? Because my purpose is to train them to leave this house with the field of the Lord. Spouses, come on, let's, let's talk married, folk. Come on, let's talk married. If I didn't get you with the parenting, you don't feel convicted, I'm coming for you. All right, let's marry. If you're married in here, raise your hand, and guys, you better shoot it up high. Happy married. I'm happy. I'm, thank God she said yes, and she, I tricked her. She was great. I told her I had money. She found out later. No, I didn't. It's good. If you're a husband in here, your job Man, it ain't to get what you want. Your job as a husband wasn't to give you a woman to do what you, you, you were told to do. And we don't act like we like when we get around Christian folk, we, oh, I sacrificially love my wife. But when you get home, you treat her like a servant. 
like just another one of your boys. Talk to her like she's just another person in your life. Bible says under Ephesians 5, says to sacrificially love your wife. That's my job under, for my wife. I got to sacrificially love her. Well, what does that mean for me, Pastor? I don't know. What does it mean for you to sacrifice? To me, sacrifice means pain. I love, I love my, you're my girl. I love her, but it's painful. Sacrifice is pain. Sacrifice means I got to give something up. Sacrifice means I don't get what I always want. Sacrifice means I have to do something I don't want to do. Sacrifice means I got to actually love her as Christ loved the church, which means like by death. Golly. So if you're a husband in here and you'd be like, I feel like I'm dying in my marriage. Well, great, you're Christian. I know. Welcome to the club. What you want, a cookie? You know? If you're a wife, under Ephesians 5, respectfully honor your husband. Not get some dude that gives you money so you can go to Target all the time. Like, respectfully honor your husband. Well, I will, Pastor, when he does something worth respecting. The kingdom's so upside down. I'm just trying to convince you. It's, it's upside down. It's everything you think it shouldn't be. Because we wait for a reason to respect. The Christian way is we, we, we respect to give so that they can rise up to the occasion. The best thing you can do, if you got a messed up husband out here, some of y'all probably do. Best thing you can do is honor and respect them. Give them an opportunity to rise to the occasion. Under, I mean, that's your purpose. We're talking about goals. We're talking about if you want to do, you got to know the purpose. Financially, can I talk to you about your finances for just a second? Because some of y'all have some financial goals this year. You'd be like, this year, I'm going to make more money. That's a dumb goal, by the way, because you can make $1 more than you made last year. And that's, you accomplished your goal. You know what your purpose of money is that the steward missed out on? That the, 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 this, this, the wicked and lazy servant missed out on is to be, under Matthew 25, the very scripture we were listening, steward God's money. Steward God's money. You are a steward of God's money. Well, pastor, that's my money. No. You are a steward of God's money. And you're like, no, it's my money. No, no, you know how I know it's not your money? Because you could lose it in any moment. God ain't never lost a dime. Because it says money. I mean, everybody thought they had money until 2008. Until 2020 COVID. Everybody, wasn't everybody so confident February 2020? <laughs> new year, new you, best life coming. In an instant, y'all, I'm just trying to convince you of the way things really work. Because some of your success, your identity, your security, and your anxiety hinges on whether or not you have multiple zeros in your account. And you're supposed to steward it. I'm supposed to steward it. That's the purpose of money, not to get more. Is there anything wrong with making money? No. Gosh, please don't hear me say that. 
Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. I've said it before and I'll say it again. God doesn't care about whether or not you have money. He cares about whether money has you. And the only way he can work that out of you is to give you opportunities to steward it well. He's got to work it out of you because my flesh loves to hold money. Oh, gosh. Whoo. Love it. It's the best thing ever. Best thing. I love to hold money. And, and God's just saying, whoo, man, you, you white knuckling that thing. I got to work on that. So here's an opportunity for you to steward. We got to know the purpose so we can know the point so that we can actually accomplish our plans. That's just point one. I better hurry. I got two points. Number two, <laughs> look to maximize your potential. Look to maximize your potential. Look to maximize your potential this year. The master celebrated the maximized potential. Potential is what you could be, but you have not yet become. What you could be and what you have not yet become. Matthew 25 says, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. He maximized his potential. I was playing golf with some guy the other day, and he was so upset. He was so pessy. You ever get around some pessimistic Eeyore type people? And every time he walked up, he'd hit the ball. The ball was sliced off. He goes, I guess that's just how I'm going to always be. I've taken lessons, and I'm doing everything I need to do, and there's nothing me. I'm never going to be anything, and I'm only going to be stuck here. You ever get those stuck here people like I'm just stuck here I'm just stuck here will you help me not be stuck here I'm like no get out of my face God like don't you hate the you you don't like being around people like that because they have no faith they have no belief they have no hope I am I am like the hope guy I want hype hope people I want people to look at me and go you gonna make it while I'm on the ground I don't need somebody to tell me I'm on the ground. I already know I'm on the ground. I need someone to tell me I'm going to get up and I'm going to run. I need hope people in my life. But this guy wasn't it. I got stuck with him. He ain't one of y'all, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> the whole round, he's just mad. And these guys, you just feel like they're going to be stuck at their level no matter what they do. You know how you get out of that? I got a, a, an illustration I wanted to show you real quick. Bubba, give me those. Give me these. I'm going to throw some love at some people right now just because some of y'all just got issues with fast food. <laughs> I'll give you a little example. It's going to be fun. For those of you who don't know or you're watching online, maybe you're, you know, we have a bunch of people in different countries who watch. And these are Whataburger uh, cups here. And um, what's interesting about this guy, this was his life. He's like a Dixie cup. He's just like. You have to be from the South or, you know, something from this, know what a Dixie cup is. So Dixie cup, he was just whining and complaining about the fact that he, this is his level of, actually, it's probably half this from a golfing standpoint. Um, but so, you know, he was so mad that he had this level. And what he would do is he would look at other golfers that were playing with us not me, because I'm kind of in this bucket. But um, he would look at other golfers, and he would talk about other golfers who were in this level. And he'd be like, mm, I want to be that, but I'm this, and I'm only going to be this. Why can't I ever be this? God, and he would look up to heaven. He would hit the ball, look up to heaven, throw his golf club. He would do that. He'd go. 
And he said the famous question that you and I always ask God. You all know what it starts with a W, ends with a Y. Do you know what? On the count of three. One, two, three. Why? Why? Would you give me a Dixie cup? When I could be this. And I think God goes, why? (laughs) Are you whining? The number one thing that drives me crazy about parenting is parents who don't regulate and correct whining. Because it does nothing but annoy people around. So God's, why are, because this is how it works. If you just fill this cup up, like if you just maximize what has been given to you, because if you're whining and you only do it, why would God ever give you the next step? Like, if you can't fill this cup, it's irresponsible, right, to make you, to give you this cup as a parent. Like, if my kid can't hold this and spill, not spill, why would I give them? The, come on, parents. For those of you that all the kids, don't every time, you, when you go get a Slurpee with your children, right, what cup do they go after all the time? It ain't the tiny one. It's always the super gulp. And I have to go, give me that. Right? And you throw it. Just like that. Sorry, you can leave it. You can leave it. It's okay. You, you got to fill your cup you're at. You got to maximize your potential you're at. You got to stop whining where you could be and actually fill up what you got. You got to do what you said you were going to do with what you've been given so that God can say, okay, he's ready for the next thing. She can handle more. But don't whine about what you got. So if you're a spouse in here, you need to do something. Figure out how to maximize what you got in your marriage. Come on. I wish I had a better marriage, a spouse. I wish I had a better marriage. Well, do, what are you doing right now? That's going to bring about a better marriage. You got to maximize. You got to do something. You got financial. You got health. Can I talk about your health? Can I just be honest? Any health goals you have this year come down to two things. You either stop something or you add something. So what have you stopped? Brownies, cakes, candy, cookies, sugar. And what have you started? Healthy, 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 healthy. Something healthy. I can't get the gym. I can't afford the gym. You can walk around the block. You'd be lapping everybody on the couch. Number three, and I'm done. Number three, and I'm done. Let's put Whataburger away. We love you, Whataburger. Number three, look for areas of sacrifice. I'm done. I'm done. I thought it was interesting. It said, Matthew 25, 29, to those who use well, use well what we're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. That idea of use well is actually um, more, more inclined to say, do, do well. Which means their goals didn't have everything to do with them. It affected other people in their lives. And the question you have to ask yourself is, do your goals impact the life of others? Like, when you go back and look at all your goals, are they all about you? I know, like, it's like a, a new year, new you. How about a new year, new, like, world? Like, your world. 
like the people that are in your life? Like how can people be blessed by the goals that you are establishing right now this year? Like are your goals helping you be a better father so that your kids can have a better daddy? Are your goals this year helping you be a better wife so that your husband can literally be beneficial from a better wife? Are your, is your church going to benefit from you as a church member? Like, can I throw that in? <laughs> or are they all about you? Hebrews chapter 13 says, do not neglect to do good and share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Why is it important for you to do something for others? If you were just selfish in nature, you should do suffer for others. I know that sounds kind of contradictory, but it's good for you. It's good for you. It's good for your mind. It's good for your body physically. There's a study at the University of Zurich in Switzerland that said part of the uniqueness of the reward activation around gift giving in your mind compared to something like winning money is that because it activates pathways in your brain that release oxytocin, which is a neuropeptide that signals trust, safety, and connection. They said when oxytocin is part of the equation, the reward is slightly different and it can be sustained longer, unlike a brief lifespan of a pure dopamine response that doing something for you gives you. I mean, like the Bible and science make a lot of sense. I know a lot of people think it doesn't. It does. It's almost like God knew how we were wired. It's almost like he wired us in a weird way, you know? to be givers, to be generous, to be sacrificial. Like I know sacrifice feels like you're doing something for others, but you're really doing something for yourself. These men knew this. I want to read this for you as I'm done. In South Korea in 1952, when an American evangelist, Reverend Everett Swanson, felt compelled to help 35 children orphaned by the Korean conflict, he emptied his bank account to help these kids. That was the start of Compassion International, which today ministers to over 1.2 million children and are reaping the benefits of one man's clear vision and goal to help others. To help others. I thought this was good. Robert Gilmore Letourneur, I think that's Canadian, made millions of dollars creating, the designing, creating and designing earth-moving equipment, but as a, he was also a devout follower of Jesus. His goal was to live off of 10% and tithe 90. He got that to the end of his life, and he said this famous statement, I keep shoveling it out, God keeps shoveling it back. He seems to have a bigger shovel. Yes. So, I don't care if you're not generous figure it out this year. Be sacrificial this year. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your effort. I'm talking about your grace. I'm talking about your joy. I'm talking about your peace. I'm talking about your love. I'm talking about your Jesus. Be generous. Be sacrificial in the way that you do things. Do your goals affect others and not just you? I didn't even get into how, what goals you should be making. I'm just talking about how, three, three things to look for as you make your goals this year.